I, uh, I know it's been said to you, Happy New Year. I don't know if it's still appropriate to say that here on... Is it the 9th already? Hard to believe. Is it the 10th? See? It just, I lost a day there somewhere. But uh, it is so good to have you here. And uh, what a great new year. We're off to such a new start. And I always love to kind of jump into a new series. And, and for myself personally, I, I like making new goals. I am a goal setter. And some people sort of say, well, New Year's resolutions, that's kind of dumb. It'll last through February or whatever. But I just want to say, I think it's just a new kind of a, a start line for some things that you might want to do in your life. And so I always like to do kind of a state of the church. And I'm not calling it that this year, but I'm calling this new series a new day. Because I think, I think there's something special about looking at a new slate, a clean piece of paper, a starting point where you say, what is it that I can do? What is it that needs to be done? What is it that God's saying to me that is a new day? And we all need that. We all need that. Because life is hard. And it gets muddy. And it gets ugly. And sometimes you just... How many of you remember playing with one of those things as a kid? They have a lot more modern ones now. But it was just a little blue sheet that had a red plastic stick and you draw on it and it would stick to the ink under it. And then you would just pull it up and it would go away. How many of you remember those? Yeah. Do they still make those, I wonder? I just love, you could just draw it. If you messed up, you just go, just do that with me. Ready? See how cool that is? Blank slate. And uh, I want to talk today, just I've called this particular message something new. Something new. And I'm intrigued by this because how many of you got something new for Christmas? I bet everyone in the room got something. Okay? Even if you bought it for yourself. Okay? Something new. The question I would like to ask you is, is it still new? I see some of you going. Is it out of the box? Like, how long is it new? Until you use it? Until, like, I hear people say, well, this is new. Well, it's not new. It's been in your pocket for two days. It's filthy. How long is it new? And I I hear people say, well, we're newly married. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean you haven't had your first, like, blow-up fight yet? What does that mean? (laughs) We're newly married. You you think of a new job. How long is a job new? And and that's why I'm intrigued by this, because I'm about to read you something that God says about something new. And when God says something about something new... It has a deeper meaning than when I say something about something new. And so, these next few weeks are going to be based on one verse out of the Bible. One verse, and it's in Isaiah chapter 43. And, and I want to read it to you, and then we're going to take each line one week at a time. And we're just going to talk about it. Because I think it's a new day, and these pa- this passage, this verse, can really impact our lives. I received an email from Pastor Wally Weber. Some of you remember Pastor Wally and Jan, great people. And, and he sent me kind of a Happy New Year email and was talking about um, uh, the new year and the new decade and all of that. And it, it really inspired me because he put this verse on it. And this was a couple of weeks ago. So I just put this verse actually right on my phone. And I just, every day I would just look at this verse. And I just, it just kept popping out at me. And it, it started saying things to me that I felt like I started praying about it. And 
I thought, I'm going to just build a four-week series about this. So as I read this, I want you to think about each of these verses. It's Isaiah 43, verse 19. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, and this is God talking to the Israelites. For I am about to do something new. I'm going to say that line again. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? That's next week. Do you not see what God is... Can God do things and we don't even see it? Go like this. And then these next two lines. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. What a statement. And then this thought. I will create rivers... In dry wasteland. I will create rivers in wasteland. God's serious. Now, we have to understand the context. I don't like it when people randomly pull out some verse out of Leviticus and say, see, you're in sin. So, what's the context of why this is being stated? This is God saying through Isaiah, I am going to deliver you again a second time. This is what He's going to do. It's something new. Do you remember when the Israelites were under the captivity of Egypt? And they were in bondage. And God raised up Moses. Remember the story? And He led the children of Israel out. They went through the Red Sea. The waters parted. And then the armies of Egypt Egypt went in the Red Sea. And the waters collapsed, destroying them. And they were on their way. Well, the new thing is that now... Their captivity is by the Babylonians. And God has seen their misery and He steps up and He's saying, okay, I'm going to do something new. It's not about the Red Sea and collapsing over the Egyptians. It's about the Babylonians. I've already begun. Don't you see it? I'm not going to take you through the old place. The new thing is, I'm going to take you through the wilderness this time. I'm going to take you through the desert this time. This means a new kind of provision. So that's the context in which we are going to break this down and talk about these next four weeks. The first thing in your outline, and I hope you'll jot some things down just to think about it with me, is the human factor in something new. I want to talk about this idea of something new, but every time there's something new, there's a human factor in it. And the human factor here is, I think, a place or the place of resistance. Anytime there's something new that's coming into my life, I am tempted to resist it. Are you like that? And, and you're just not sure. Sometimes it's, there's a variety of reasons. Unless it's something I've longed for and I've wanted, I typically have a, a, a resistance. How many of you have ever gotten a new cell phone and it just didn't work like your old one and it just ticked you off? And they told you, but it does so much more. It has bells and whistles. You can do this and this and this. And you sit there for hours going, but how? Just give me my old one back. Why? Because we resist some of those new things. How many of you are texting? Okay, you texters. Yeah, how many of you are just learning to text? I know it's old, but not while you're driving, though. That's against the law now. I just want you to know. Tweeting? Any tweeters? That's not a perverted term of anything bad, I promise. (laughs) What's happening is our culture has all this technology that that now is changing the world. And it's, it's easy to resist it. I mean, you just buy a new TV and you get home and there's so many buttons on the remote. And, and you hit the wrong one, you're done. Your TV's dead. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what I'm talking about here. You push every other button, you will never get a picture on that TV again. It's just, it's easy to resist that new software, that new computer that they told you would do this and this and this, and it just doesn't do it. They lie to you. This resistance factor in my life. I'm going to just mention a couple places that I resist the new stuff God's doing in me. And I want you to be honest, okay? I like being honest. I like vulnerability in times like this. We call this our living room for a reason. It's about where we talk about real life. So I want you to really open up a little bit with God and, and own some of the things that you need to own about yourself. Because sometimes I, I, I resist things that are not very familiar to me. Just because they're different, I say no. And that makes it hard for God to try stuff with me. Anyone else like that? Maybe he wants to try stuff, but I just say no before we even start because this is not a good idea because it's unfamiliar. I remember the first time Pastor Daryl Haley was with me and we went to England to spring harvest and, um, and I, was, I was given the keys to a car to go drive, to run a little errand. And Pastor Daryl and I hopped in this car and I, I first went to the wrong side of the car. I opened the door and said, where's the steering wheel? So I went around to the other side, and sure enough, there was the steering wheel. And it was a stick shift. It was a standard. Now just get your left hand out. Pretend like you are on the left, the right side of the car in the left lane with a stick shift, the clutch, the pedals, and you're trying to figure out shifting with this hand. Yeah, it was just, I just, how many of you just say, I just wouldn't drive? Okay, that's it. That's you. That's it. Right there. That's what we do. It's just, and, and we were coming into our first roundabout. Everybody's going the different direction. My brain is computing death. You will die. You will die. You will die. This is awful. Because it's not familiar. It's not what I'm used to. God comes sometimes and He says, I'm going to do something new. And we say, cool. Here it is. No. We resist things unless they're familiar to us. There was a time when Israel actually said, forget this, take us back to Egypt. Wow. We'd rather be slaves and know what to expect every morning than to be out here with your provision and not know where we're going or why. Human nature is an interesting thing. I also resist sometimes things that are unpleasant emotionally or physically. People don't like confrontation, so we resist it. We have silence in our lives, and we say goodbye to relationships that could be awesome, but it's not comfortable to talk about this. Our family doesn't talk about this. And we put it under the rug. So God says, I'm going to do something new, and we say, okay, but make sure it fits in these lines. It's like the dentist. We have some great dentists in our church, and thank you for what you do. I do not like going to the dentist. And I have a great dentist. He's awesome. I like him very much. But the dentist itself is a tough place for me to go. It's easier just not to go until I am in pain. Because I know I will be in pain anyway. Right? Well, Pastor Jerry, you need a crown over here. Oh, wait till heaven to get a crown. I don't need a crown here. Oh. And then I, I find myself thinking, why don't we just, if I become closer friends with my dentist, would my teeth get better? 
What if we're just real close? We hang out, we talk, we share. I know everything about him. He knows everything about me. Would, would that improve my teeth? No. But that's what we do with God sometimes. Oh, I'm just going to be closer to God. Lord, I love you. And God says, well, we've got a little cavity here. We need, we need to do some work on this addiction of yours. And there's an anger problem there. Let's, no, no, no. Let's just love each other. And let me just climb in your lap and let you just be God and I'll just be human. And, and I love you. <laughs> See, when God says, here's something new, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or it's going to be automatic. It involves more than that because this God of ours sees potential in you that you do not see in yourself. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so glad for that. Another one is that I resist things that make me feel dumb or ignorant. We all do. And it's like topics, you, you know, man, I don't know a thing about that. And it's better just to admit it than to try to fake it. How many of you have learned that the hard way? Well, I remember when, when the game <laughs> Bible trivia came out. Remember that? And, you know, I mean, there's pressure. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a lot of years. You sit down to play Bible trivia, and it's like people expected that I would know the answer to every question on every card in that game. And I remember when I missed one. It's the only one I've ever missed. No, people have these expectations. Like, I love it when people come up to me and say, oh, Pastor, what's that? You know that verse that says, Behold, there I will, da, 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 something like that. Where is that in the Bible? Like, I don't know. Ask Pastor Brent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a clue. I haven't memorized the whole. It's uncomfortable, those places of ignorance in our lives. And sometimes God says, I'm going to do a new thing. And we say, but I don't understand it. I'll feel dumb. I've never done that before. God says, I'm going to do a new thing, and I'm going to use you to do it. You guys, we need to trust Him this year. We need to trust Him for some new things that are beyond what we know now. Number two in your outline. I'm calling it the God factor in something new. We have the human factor, all this resistance, but we, when something new is on the table from God, there is a God factor, and I'm calling that the place of the unknown. Because you can make plans. I can make plans. Israel can make plans. But God, when He's involved, let me tell you something, everything changes. Because God knows where He's taking you, but He does not always choose to tell you. To, to, if you want to go where God goes, His something new, the God factor in something new, is mostly that we do not get to see the end result until we go through the process. And it's the process God cares about anyway. And that's tough for us, because I'm a result type person. So if I'm going to invest in this, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to put time in that, let's get it done and let's see it, let's see it at the end. But God says, no, it's really the process that I care more about, what's developing in you. And so there's a lot of unknowns in this. I want to read something to you in the same chapter of Isaiah. It's the 43rd chapter. It's not going to be on the screen, but you might want to underline it in your Bible because these two relate. One verse, verse 2 of, of Isaiah 43. This is God, again, promising Israel. And this is what he says, when you go through deep waters, keywords, go through, say those two words with me, go through, say them again, go through. Now just listen, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. 
When you walk through, say that with me, walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. That's a pretty nice God. We read that and we go, yay God. But what I'm wondering is why it doesn't say, you're not even going to know the water is deep because I built a bridge. You're not even going to see the river because I have, I have taken you to a new place. And you're not even going to smell the smell of smoke around the fire because you're my kid. And you have said yes to me, and so I'm going to, I'm going to release you from all of it. That's not what it says. The unknown factor, the God factor, is that factor that when we step out, we step out not sure. We step out trusting God. We step out saying, I will go through the deep waters. I will go through the river. I will go through the fire and I won't be burned, but I'm going to smell it. Man, that's a challenge for us. Because if we get the choice, we want to avoid the whole traffic jam. Coming back from Grand Junction after the new year, Bonnie's parents lived there and we'd spend a couple days there. And there was an accident on I-70 and it closed I-70. Anybody else on that? I'm hoping there's one. Ten hours. I mean, it was just closed. We just sat there. It took us ten hours to go like 150 miles. And it was so frustrating. And I kept thinking, if I could have gotten off the interstate back there, I could have gone around this whole mess. You know? But I didn't. And sometimes that's how it is with God. You, you just, you're in the journey. You're doing what, exactly what He's asking you to do. And you're just sitting on the highway. And you're saying, God, is this what you had in mind? Because that's not what I had in mind. I'm just what you had in mind. It's not what I thought. This is not what I thought marriage would be like. This is not what this new friend should be doing. This job is not what you promised. You said I had eh. I think you get the point. Number three. The reality factor. Now, the reality factor is, I think, in something new. Usually for me, it is the place of discipline. And I'm just going to mention this one and move on. I'll talk more about this a little bit next, in the next couple of weeks. But the place of discipline is the reality factor that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do the new thing God puts in front of us to do. It's not easy. It's a challenge. And sometimes we don't even succeed in the way that we thought we would succeed. And God says something like, you know, I mean, think of this phrase. Good habits are hard to keep and bad habits are hard to break. Do you agree with that? I, I believe that. And sometimes in our lives, that discipline that we have goes away when we don't see the results that we want to see. That's even what New Year's resolutions are about. It's a starting line. It's why gyms fill up and we start changing how we eat. It's, just, it's not that January 1st something changed in our bodies. It's just that it's a starting line. It's a fresh slate. And we say, we might as well start now. And that's why I like it. Because we might as well just have a starting line. But the reality factor is God says to Moses, why don't you, why don't you lead the children of Israel? And Moses says, great idea. I mean, that's great that we're going to be out of Egyptian bondage. And, but I can't. I stutter. I can't talk. And God says, go talk to the Pharaoh. It's like, no, I'm not doing that. There's this place of, of someone having to say, I'll do that. Joseph, you want to you wanna be a great leader of a nation? You've got to go to prison for a few years, but it'll work out. That's not fun. Noah, build a boat. I'm going to deliver the world. Okay. It's going to take years and everyone's going to think you're crazy. 
But I'm asking you to do it. And it's going to take discipline when no one else is helping you and no one has the vision and no one sees it the way you do. How about those disciples? Jesus says, come and follow me. And they go, yeah, he's the man. And you'll probably be a martyr at the end of your life and tortured and stuff, but come on. It will take three things for you to stick with it. And this is what I've put on my little personal, some of my goals. Time, energy, and determination. Those are three things that I, I'm working at this year. Because if I'm going to get some things done in some of my goals, it's going to take time that I haven't, I haven't made time for before. You have, to, you have to put it on the calendar and do it. And, and there's no excuse. And then energy. You know, when you get to the end of the day and you say, I'm really tired, why is that? It's because you have so much energy in a day and you've spent it on whatever you chose to spend it on or whatever you did not choose to spend it on. But I guarantee you to do the new thing that God is calling you to do, to do the new thing, to follow Him, there's going to have to be energy that you give to that. And not just my agenda, your agenda. We have to say, God, I'm giving it to you. And determination to say, I'm not going to quit. The last thing that I want to say is the faith factor in something new. Because anytime there's something new, it involves faith. And faith is a wonderful Bible word. And, and it's a challenging word. And I need to talk about it for a minute because it's the place of trust. The, the faith uh, factor in something new is the place of trust where I find that moment when I say, okay, I can trust God in this. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, and I like this quote. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. You might not know how far up it is to your destination or how far down it is. You just take one step at a time. And the reality is, in the faith factor, there are two ways that we face something new. Always. One is that we know about it. The other is that we don't know about it. Some of you, how many of you have ever faced something that you didn't know was coming and you woke up one day and your life was different? Okay, yeah. Other things that are new, we know about, we plan, we work towards, set goals to get it done. But either way, God is there. My point is that sometimes the new is uninvited and unwanted. But God is still there. And my faith is tested in that moment much more than in my strategic plans. And it's a challenge. I, this chair right here, we've had this for several years here at Timberline. I want to just show you something. I have no doubt that this chair will hold me because I've sat in it so many times. But I guarantee you, if three out of four times you walked into this facility and sat in one of those chairs you're sitting in and it broke, <laughs> you would be standing up or looking for another church, right? You would not trust the chair. If it keeps breaking, that's what happens to us in life sometimes. Trust erodes. People hurt us. They didn't do what they said they would do. I, I remember growing up, I had a, a pretty good childhood. My, uh, a lot of my growing up years were in Grand Junction, Colorado, on the West Wilton. There's a little place, a city, I don't know, maybe 50 miles from Grand Junction called Cedar Edge. And it's right at the base of the Grand Mesa. Anybody been to Cedar Edge? Okay, good. If you've been over the Grand Mesa, you've been through Cedar Edge. You just blinked at the wrong time and missed the great donut shop that's there. Um, 
But it's just a small community. Well, I had a cousin who lived there, and we were like 10, 11, 12 years old at the time, and, and he, had, he had a couple of horses. And one of them was a Shetland pony named Midnight that was a beautiful little pony that was just as nice as it could be until you got on him. It's really where I learned how to ride a horse because we never used saddles. It was always bareback and a bridle. And, 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 and we, I'd go up there and there's beautiful country to ride in up at the Grand Mesa. And, and we'd hop on the horses and whoever was riding Midnight, Midnight's real biblical name was Beelzebub. And, and this was a horse that had one goal, to treat you like a king until the one moment you were not ready. And in that moment, his goals, at some point on the ride, he would get you off of his back. He would let you right back on and be nice. But at some point, he's going to show you. He would run you under a tree limb and knock you off. He would dart. He would put his feet down. He would buck. He would just go off. And then when he was done and you were off, he would just smile and say, get back on. We're done for the day. It's usually only one time. I don't know. It was a weird thing. Um, but I remember getting on midnight and watching his ears, watching every movement, paying attention. We're riding. I didn't notice the beautiful stream beside me. I wasn't noticing the beautiful valleys we were riding in or the gorgeous forests because I didn't trust midnight. And I was waiting for the one moment when he was going to throw me off of his back. And he was looking for that moment. That is exactly what happens to you in your life when you live without faith. When you live without trust. I meet people and they say, I don't trust anybody. You follow that person around for, the, for a week. They don't see the beauty of the forest. They don't even know when there's a beautiful stream beside them. All they're doing is looking to be ripped off. They're looking for someone who's mean. They're looking for the bad because they don't trust anybody. Listen, God's doing something new in your life. And it means you need to learn to trust Him. And you lay it down today. And you say, God, it's hard for me. People have let me down. Why would I trust you? And God says, because I'm God. And God can be trusted. And that needs to heal some of the wound that's in deep in some of you today. Don't be afraid. Will I trust? You guys, we're going into a new decade. And I'm going to wrap up with these thoughts. You say, what's the big deal about a new decade? I don't know. It's just been on my mind a lot. Bonnie and I have had huge conversations this week about a new decade. And I think it's because we started making it personal. Matter of fact, I, I would invite you, others, I've been, I've, this weekend I've just said, Write me a note and throw it up here on the platform that says, a decade ago, I was whatever. And I'll probably read some of these next weekend. A decade ago, on a personal level, none of our three children had even graduated from high school yet. Just a decade ago. And now our youngest is 21 years old. And I'm like 35. <laughs> Where does it go? A decade. A lot happens in a decade. Would you agree? Think about this. A decade ago, there had not been a 9-11 attack. A decade ago, most of us had never heard the name Barack Obama. A decade ago, 
The Broncos had just won two Super Bowls in a row. 97, 98. How many of you, that feels like a lifetime ago. That's a decade ago. A decade ago, and this made my eyes swell up with water as I thought about it, and Bonnie and I talked about it. This facility didn't exist. A decade ago, this was just an open field with some snowdrifts. But you believed, and I believed, and God put it in some people's hearts to do something new. That we're in a journey that's bigger than us. That God can do things as we give Him our lives wholeheartedly. In the past decade, I don't mean it's in an arrogant sense at all. It's actually quite humbling. But I want you to understand the power of a decade. In the past decade, we've baptized in water over 1,200 people here at Timberline. In the last decade, we have financially, our total income that we have used in ministry, both missions and local, our income in the last decade has been $64 million. Eight hundred ninety-seven thousand two hundred and eighty-one dollars and ninety cents. Now that is amazing to me. That blows my mind for the work of God. In the last decade, people's lives have been changed and restored through your passion to care, to give, to go, to be, to invest in the school your kids go to, to be involved in the workplace that you're involved in, to speak into someone's life, to say, yes, God, do a new thing in me. What is the power of a decade? What is the goal? Here's what God put in my life. What is the goal, Northrop? What is the goal that you have that's going to take a decade? Forget this 30-day goal. It's not big enough. Do you have a goal that will take the rest of your life to accomplish? God wants to do a new thing. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can let love live and we can see the power of a decade. I ask you to help us today to be honest about our places of resistance. How many of you just need to say, you know what? I know I resist some of these things and maybe you have other points of resistance that I didn't even mention, but you know what they are. And today you would say, I need a new starting line. Whether it's a new year or a new decade, I just, I'm going to just claim this weekend as a new starting line, a new beginning for some things in my life. Because I hear God saying to my spirit, I want to do something new in you. Hold your hand up, please. Just hold it up. God, thank you. I just ask you to be so real in this moment in both these auditoriums today to just be the God who does something new in our hearts just like you did for the children of Israel. That it will grow in us and we will trust you in it fully. Fully. Some of you, it's the unknown that's tough for you. It's the unknown and and it's a challenge. Some of you, it's the discipline. Some of you, it's the trust. I want to pray specifically for those of you that would say, listen, I have a hard time trusting God because every factor in my life seems like it's turned out that I haven't been able to trust the people I thought I could trust. Hold your hand if that's you. Let me just pray over you. God, Help my brothers, my sisters in these rooms to know you are a God that can be trusted. Do something new. Faith for a new decade. Bring forgiveness to those who have unconfessed sin now, Lord. 
those who may not know you personally at all would just say, forgive me, cleanse me. I believe you died on that cross for me and I give you my life and my future. And Lord, finally, we just say we offer our lives afresh. We give you all that we are to do the new that you want in our lives. And everyone said, Amen. Nothing new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. Lord, send us out of here ready for that. And help us to be on your journey. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Our prayer team is coming. They're going to be up here if you want a prayer. Come on up here. Go by the tables. Get involved in equipped classes. Make a difference in your world. God bless.